Oh, man. So if you haven't gotten to meet you, my name is Justin Washburn. My wife, Megan, who's the pretty one that was standing over here, her and I um, help lead in Kid Life. And we have four kids. Two of them were up there on the screen, the two boys that say they love to dance and the one that needs subtitles um, because he's only, he just turned three. So, and we have a daughter that's four. So with three kids in the little life and one kid in Kid Life. So we need prayers because it's a lot of kids all under six. So, Yes. Um, but yeah, we lead, we lead in kid life and we, we're so thankful to be part of a church that values children. Um, there's actually, I, I just, I'm just glad to even be up here and get an opportunity to share with you God's heart for kids too. And that we're doing this whole next gen weekend. There's a story in, in Mark 10 that really speaks to me. And if you haven't read the story, it's about these, the disciples and they are shooing away children. So first of all, I'm already mad at them. Like, what are you doing? Shooing away children, and Jesus comes and rebukes them and says, hey, wait, wait, wait. No, let the little children come to me. And he even says that the kingdom of God is for children like this, and even challenges us to have a childlike faith. And if Jesus and God care about children so much, then you can bet so does the enemy. The enemy wants these children too. If you watch any news or you've been watching anything on social media, there's, they're after our children. And so it's important that we, us as a church are investing into these little kids. There's a stat, this church sent out a survey and, to Christians, and they found out that 47% of salvations happen in elementary and pre-K age. So that's almost half of salvations happening in that elementary pre-K age. 82% of salvations happen under 18. So this whole next gen thing that we're doing this weekend is a product of those statistics. And so we are valuing the next generation, trying to pour into them and make sure that they are, that they are finding a firm foundation in Jesus. So our little life ministry, we have some leaders in there, Connor and Haley West. Unfortunately, they couldn't be in here speaking because they're taking care of your kids and my kids. I'm sure my kids are giving them, uh, giving them some crazy times. I have a little one that's over there, not feeling too good. Um, but they're serving right now, but they did have a few things that they wanted to share, so I will try my best to voice their passion. We'll see, okay? So they said, first of all, they wanted to remind us that it's not daycare back there. We're, we're teaching the kids uh, the gospel and trying to teach these kids how to have a firm foundation in Jesus. They also said that their favorite thing about it is not only teaching the Bible, but also working on the relationships with them and excited to see these kids coming in, eager to dance, praise, and learn about God. And then although they say they, that they're the ones serving, God always seems to have a lesson waiting for the leaders that they learn through teaching and being a part of Little Life. They said sometimes they learn more about the service than they feel like the kids get out of the service because that childlike faith is just so contagious. In terms of kid life, I agree with Haley. Actually, our number one rule in kid life is have lots and lots of fun. So that's what we want the kids coming in is having lots of fun, knowing that God is fun. He created fun. And so I think it's very important that they learn that. But these children, they're precious. As I said earlier, they're precious to the Lord. They're also desired by the enemy. So with that being said, I have two quick challenges for us as a church. Before I give the challenges, they're rooted in Proverbs 22.6. And I should throw it up here behind me. So it says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Another version says train. And I think about training, like I used to be a coach. And if you only come into service, if you only get Jesus once a week, that's not a good training. 
any sport or any talent, if you are only practicing once a week, then you're not getting developed like you should. The Bible also says that it's the, it's the it, we should be feeding off of it. It's the daily bread. If you only eat once a week, you're going to be starving. Same thing with these kids. So my first challenge for us as a church is that parents, if you're out there with me, we need to be pouring into our kids daily, daily. And I'm still, I struggle sometimes. I'm trying to find resources and things that I can do. If you have any, if you have resources, let me know. Or if you want to find resources, you can ask me and I'll try to find some with you. But trying to find resources to be pouring into these kids daily because they need it. They don't need it just once a week, but daily. My second challenge as a whole church, not just the parents, high school, college, all adults, seniors, everybody. Um, oftentimes when I ask people if they'll serve, the response that I usually get is, oh, I can take care of my own kids, but I can't take care of somebody else's kids. Or I just don't relate with kids. The Bible's very clear that Jesus says, let the little children come to me. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. We can't sit there and push away little children all the time because who's going to be pouring into them? So I think it's important that we're pouring into these kids. And we also have to remember Thank God that we have a church that has a foster care ministry. I get a witness. Yes, we can praise God for that, man. We have so many kids in there that come from broken homes, that, come from, that are in foster care. So they're not, this really is the only opportunity that they're able to get the word. And we need your help. There's only so many of us, and we, we, we need help pouring into these kids. You have something that they don't have, something to offer, something to love on them. And I, I think it's so good. You're going to hear multiple stories uh, today from different high school students and college students, and you're going to hear their testimony. And I've heard all of them the past few days, and it all started at this young age. And so I'm going to introduce Colin. Colin's a high school student. Yes. <laughs> Colin is one of our high school students, and he also serves in youth middle. So not only is he getting poured into, he's also getting to pour into some of your kids in youth middle. So he's going to share his story. We love you, Colin. We're so thankful for you. And let, let them have it. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Can we please give it up for our amazing worship team and the stuff that's moving in our church this morning? Come on now. So as Justin said, my name is Colin, and I'm super excited to be up here and be able to worship with all of y'all. Um, just a little bit about me. I'm 15. I'm currently a sophomore at Don Tyson School of Innovation. Um, while being here at NLC, I get the privilege to be able to serve up in our youth middle ministry and also get to attend our Wednesday night high school services. But uh, whenever I was asked to come up here and share what was on my heart, two things were strongly revealed to me. One, God will always love you and fight for you. And two, making your faith your own is really difficult. So growing up, did not grow up in a perfect home. Whenever I was six months old, my biological dad signed away my birthrights. Whenever I was a year and a half, the divorce was final. After that, we moved here to Arkansas and Little Rock. And um, through this time period, I'd never met my bio dad. I was four years old, met him for a few days. That was it. So I never had any male role models or figures in my life. Through this time from Little Rock, from us moving from Little Rock to Fayetteville, I struggled with trust issues with the people around me. I had grown up in church, but I never had a faith of my own. It was always my parents. Since I grew up with just me and my mom for 14 years, I had a lot of time to build up resentment for my bio dad. Every little thing that he had done wrong, I tended to hate him for it. For abandoning me, for never wanting to meet me, for never getting to know me, and for never trying to build a relationship with me. As I got older, I eventually came to terms with the fact that he was never going to be the person, the male role model, or the father that I really wanted him to be, which is difficult, especially at a young age for all these kids, because for me, I woke up with sorrow, and I went to bed angry at him. 
But not too long after that, I eventually started to get rolling with the wrong crowd as I got older. And I started smoking and I started believing that because I was struggling with drug use and because of my own personal problems, God would never love me, he would never fight for me, and he would never be able to use me. This all started around my eighth grade year. I was also struggling with self-comparison and I started to hate the way that I looked, started to think I can never look like them, I can never be like them, I can never have that and I can never become that. To this, this is whenever I fell into a really dark state of mind thinking I would just never be good enough. And so while all this was going on, the people I were closest to, my friends, were the ones who started all this in the first place. Hindsight, not the smartest move. But uh, this went on for almost two years. Nothing was really changing. I was still stuck in the same lonesome cycle that kept dragging me down day after day. Until I had finally decided up this past summer to sign up for a mission trip. But the real reason I actually decided to sign up was to see if growing closer to God was even an option for me. But also, they said it was Orange Beach, so I was down to get a little sandy that summer. But uh, not even a full 24 hours in this into this trip, and I was already experiencing something new. We ha the men had a Bible study in the morning over the book of Ephesians. I didn't even know where Ephesians was. But uh, then we started serving other people in food pantries, cleaning up storm debris, and helping people move and clean. Eventually, I started to realize throughout that week, the focus was all of a sudden taken off all of us and put on for the glory of God. I started to realize I was around the life-giving people that I truly needed to be associating myself with instead of the quote-unquote friends I had back at home. These were the people that I needed to grow closer to. These were the people who were going to help me grow in my faith. And these were the people who were going to strengthen our church. While we are out there, I learned that God was using all of us to do his work. So despite anything any of us had done or will ever do, God will always be able to use us. He will always be in pursuit of us. And he will always be fighting for us. Amen. So since coming back home, I have found freedom from the drug use and from the bad friendships. I have, so no matter what you're going through, whether that you be struggling from abandonment issues and resentment to drug use and self-hatred, God will always be fighting for you. So if you believe that God would never love you because you think you're too far gone or have done too much, you are so, so far from the truth. Romans 3, verses 23 to 24 state, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are all sinners, yet we have all been justified freely through dying on the, for him dying on the cross. Y'all have not done more than he's died for, nor will you ever be able to. Come on now. So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus five, uh, James 5, 16 says, therefore, in the Bible, when we see therefore, we should look at it because that's what it's there for. But uh, what it really says is, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a, right, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Through everything, throughout this entire trip and throughout our church, we can see all of the people laying hands on the young people in our church, being able to build up the foundations, people building mentors. So if there's something that you're struggling with, reach out to somebody because just look inward and I promise you, you're not perfect, nobody is. You need to be able to find somebody, whether you don't know them or whether you do, to be able to pray over you because it's powerful more than you might ever realize. Thank you. Now, can we please welcome to the stage another high school student, Carly. Can we please give it up for Colin again? Yeah. Keep in mind, he's only in 10th grade, okay? God's moving so big. Hey, y'all. I'm so glad y'all got to come in this morning, whether you were dragged here or if you willingly came. Um, my name's Carly. I'm a senior at Farmington High School. And when I'm thinking about life before... Christ. It was really hard because I got saved whenever I was seven years old in our Kid Life ministry. So shout out to Kid Life for that. Um, 
And I always remembered loving being around people who loved God, and I remember love following the rules, but I never really, like, knew God fully. But moving forward, and when I started growing up, I actually started to getting to know Jesus. I read his Bible. I got to know what he wanted me to do with my life, and it was just awesome. And so around ninth grade year is really when I started getting to dig deep. Every single day I was in my Bible and every single day I would be going to the mentors that were serving in youth high ministry to point me back to God every time I got disappointed. And it was all going great until sophomore year hit and I met this guy. So there was this time when in my life when I started dating a guy who didn't love the Lord and then I realized that I couldn't be with him 100% and with God 100%, so I picked the guy. I backed out of reading my Bible. I didn't show up to church. I didn't listen to any of my mentors that were texting me. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll have the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This verse is talking about this in the context of money, but the Lord really laid this at my heart at this time. When we finally broke up, glory to the Lord, <laughs> um, I was surrounded with anxiety like never before. I was having anxiety attacks every single week consistently, and I was having an anger that was so unlike the character that God had given me. And when I finally realized that this was because I was away from the Lord, I was too ashamed to go back. I was like, the Lord's going to be mad. Abba Father's going to yell at me. He's going he's gonna to be ashamed. And then I was just like, wait. The Lord was like, you're my daughter? and I love you, and you're welcome back. And so that reminded me of the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son is this guy took his money from his father early before he was dead. And so he ran off, and when he finally realized he wanted to come back to his dad, he was too ashamed. But when he came back, he was expecting just a little, but his father was there with open arms, just like the picture of our heavenly father welcoming his prodigal son. This is how I felt when I came back to the Lord. And he fulfilled me in every single way that I tried to fill with anything else. Coming back to the Lord, I am every single day working on glorifying him. Every single day I have to work on my response for my anxiety. And I'm glad to say that I haven't had an anxiety attack in over a year. <laughs> Glory to the Lord only. I've also been working on my responses in anger only to glorify the Lord. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but change and let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This and another verse was on my heart at this time. Luke 9, 23, then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves daily, pick up their cross, and follow me. When I think, oh, it's just one boy. Oh, it's just one sin. Oh, it's just, no. Every time I think that I have to refocus and look back at what I'm supposed to be looking at, God, I ask myself the question, do I love this thing more than I love the Lord? And every single time the answer is no. I also look at this verse whenever I'm applying it further. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this world's dark, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm, staying your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on peace that com comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what the Lord wants us to put on daily. Every time we wake up, the Lord wants me and you to put this on so we can be prepared for this world's darkness. If it wasn't for God, I would be engulfed in shame. If it wasn't for God, I'd be torn apart by my anxiety. If it wasn't for God, I would be excluded from everybody because my anger took over. But God, the Lord saved me, and he welcomed me back with open arms. And that's what he wants to do with you right now. He's opening your, his arms, and he's just waiting for you to run to him. Thank you so much for your time. Now I'm going to welcome up Fiona. She's one of our college students for her to share her testimony. Thank you so much, Carly, for sharing your story. Hello everyone, my name is Fiona. I'm a junior at the U of A. I'm involved in our college ministry, Elevation, and I also serve in Kid Life on Sundays. Today I'm gonna share a little bit about my story in hopes that you can see what God has done through me and in me in my life so far. A little bit about me first, I was not raised in church, so my faith journey is something I've worked on pretty independently, which I will tell you is not easy, and one of the most valuable lessons I have learned since plugging myself into Elevation is how vital community is. Growing up, most of my time was spent either at home, school, or mainly my dance studio. My mom will be the first to tell you we were the family that always just flew by the seat of our pants and we would just laugh our way through it all. On the outside, we were the funny discombobulated ones. Inside the walls of our home though, there was nothing but alcoholism, anger, fear, and lots of pain. With everything going on, I had a friend reach out and invite me to church, and this is where I heard his good news for the first time, and I knew that God was someone I could rely on in the midst of my crazy life. I remember hearing about a father who loved me in a special way. He knew my desires and thoughts and had a plan for me, something better than what I was going through at the time. Soon after, I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, and the first two verses that really struck me and I memorized were John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. As I got older, the things in my life didn't really change. In fact, they got a lot worse and I found myself always asking God, why me? I believe in you, Lord, and I know that you are good, but I thought things were supposed to be different. But as many of you know, when we start pursuing the things of God, the enemy tries to take us down even more. I was 15 when my parents split up and I became so angry and sad all the time. I was what my mom called feisty Fiona. Her favorite story to share now is one time when I was arguing with my sister in the backseat of the car and she repeatedly told us to stop and I continuously answered no until she finally pulled the car over on the side of the road and got out and started walking over to my door and I locked it before she could get to me. 
She then walks back to the driver's side door, unlocks the car again, and walks back over, and I lock it again. This happened a couple of times before she finally just got back in the car and did the thing where you, like, reach your arm in the back, and she just kind of started whacking us until finally I told her to just stop because I couldn't handle it any longer, even though I had been the one to start the fight in the first place. To be honest, I didn't really want to tell people about what was really going on because I didn't want them to pity me. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I had turned my switch off. When I was 18, I knew that I had to do some big self-reflection and allow myself to change. I didn't want to continue living the way I was, but I was honestly really scared to become someone else. Ultimately, I had to accept that the person I was didn't glorify God, and I was really hurting the closest people in my life, but justified it because I had felt that they had hurt me first. Galatians 5:22 through 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I vividly remember hearing this verse, and my eyes were widely opened. I wanted to have the fruits of the Spirit in me in every area of my life. But to live this way, I would be required to take some big steps. And for me, forgiveness is one of the hardest things to overcome. I allowed anger, sadness, and what I struggle with most, resentment, to run my life for a long time. But I'm constantly humbled by the forgiveness of God and how I can forgive other people in my life. It's not always easy to do, and many times we have to choose daily to forgive those, even when we don't necessarily want to. But what I remind myself is the good news that I don't have to carry that weight alone, and neither do you. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and has a love for me and you that is boundless. He chooses to forgive us daily, and I hope you know that he loves you and he forgives you. It's never too late to shine his light, to live and love like Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'd like to introduce you to Griffin, and I'm really excited for you to hear his story. Man, can we just give it up for these three real quick for sharing their testimonies? Now, if I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is Griffin, and I'm so excited to be up here to share with you all today. A little bit about myself. I grew up in what is considered a broken home. My parents got divorced when I was about five years old, and I don't really remember much from the time. All I really remember is sitting in the back of a courthouse, talking to lawyers about who I would rather live with about as my parents fought over custody of me and my siblings. So growing up, I never really went to church. Now, if you fast forward some time and we get to my sophomore year of high school, spring break's coming around and COVID hits, and that's when I enter what I would call the party era of my life. I started doing drugs, drinking, and I was just hanging out with the wrong group of people. And it led me into depression, anxiety, and a lot of things I dealt with for the longest time. Now, we get to my senior year of high school, and I'm working in a restaurant in the kitchen at the time, and one of my best friends texted me and told me that him and his family were gonna come eat. It was awesome, I got to make their food and go hang out with them for a little bit. And as I'm hanging out, I get to meet the people who would later become my second family, the Holtermans. More specifically, I get to meet Brooke and Tony Holterman, who are like my second parents. 
after talking to Brooke for a little bit, she asked me if I had gone to church anywhere. And I said, no, ma'am. She asked if I wanted to come to church with them on Easter. And I said, yes, I'd love to. So I get dressed up on Easter, get to come to church for the first time, and I get to hear Seth speak. For those of you that have heard Seth speak, you know how powerful of a communicator he is. And after that, I decided I wanted to come every week. In July, I got to go to Florida with the Holtermans and spend a week there surrounded by godly people growing in my walk with God. One day while we're in Florida, we're sitting out by the pool in the back and Brooke looks at me, she gives me this weird look and I was like, yes. And she was like, Griffin, have you ever been baptized? I was like, no, ma'am. She was like, Griffin, if you do not get baptized soon, I'm about to baptize you in this pool. I said, okay, yes, ma'am. We get back August 14th or August 1st, August 14th of last year, I got baptized and gave my life to God. It was so amazing. I turned my life around and I got to see what what it really looked like to live a, a life for God. Now, about a month later, I run into what would be the hardest obstacle of my life so far. I got into a really big fight with my mom And it was so hard. Since then, I haven't had much communication with her. But I love her so much. And it's so hard to forgive people that you don't want to forgive. But through it all, a scripture that got me through this is James 1, 2 through 4. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. After that, I got to start serving in our youth ministry and attending Elevation. It changed my life. I got to create connections with high school kids that touched me so much, and it it changed my life forever. These high school kids, I get to to help guide and and grow in their walk with Christ like no one ever did with me. In In the last year, God has shown me that putting others in front of yourself is so much more rewarding. Now, the last thing I'm gonna say is for the younger people here, sorry, older people, but it's 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise your youth but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. God wants to use your life. He has a purpose for every single one of you. Trust me, for the longest time, I thought I didn't have one until I surrounded myself with godly people. And God finally told me what it was. But sometimes you have to stop asking what it is and you just have to listen. Because God's not this big, booming voice that you think he is. He's this tiny whisper. And if you keep asking, you're going to talk over him. But what I will say is once you finally hear your purpose and God tells you, don't run from it. Embrace it. Thank you.